Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. Start a new series called Where's My Miracle? Today is foundational. Today we're not just doing a one week message on miracles. We're gonna be speaking over the next month on miracles. The truth is, it's not even gonna be one month. Next month is gonna, we're calling revival month and we're gonna be having encounter nights and fasting and anointing services and we're gonna keep talking about miracles. In fact, through all of this year, we're gonna be talking about God's possibility, the supernatural that's available for your life. So today is really foundational. But what I need from you is to activate your spirit, to open your ears and allow God's Word, not just my words, but God's transformative, life-giving Word that's sharper than a two-edged sword to become and speak into your spirit, to stir faith, to give revelation and set you up for what God wants to do in your next season. So every campus, are you ready for the Word of God? Come on in the Clare Valley all the way to south. Are you filled with faith? Got a yes and amen? Let's go. You know, today is a bit of a setup. Um, When I was a youth pastor, you just cook for the masses. And uh, so uh, an elder in the church I was in came and brought me a barbecue. And he brought that barbecue fully set up, ready to go. And he said, what I'm doing is I've set you up, but you've got to learn how to cook. Uh, because he knew I'd also mess the setup, um, mess it up. What I'm doing today is setting you up so that you can get cooking. I'm just gonna set some foundational principles that we're not gonna dive, deep dive into any of them, but they are going to help set your, your, your mindset and your framing as we then teach over the next months about how you can see miracles outworked in your life. As a kid, just ask a question first. Who's believing for a miracle? In every campus, show a hand. Who believes that God's miraculous power is available for your life? God knows that. God sees that. And it's a great thing to believe and ask for miracles. As a kid, I used to ask for miracles. Um, I used to go in bed at night after watching Star Wars and I used to ask God to give me force powers. I mean, I'd look at something and say, turn the light on. Choke my brother. Does anyone, you know what I'm talking about? Did anyone ever try to fly? Yeah, I had a, yeah a few of you. I had, I had a bunk bed. I remember trying to fly, asking God, give me a miracle. Allow me to, what a witness for you if I flew. So I jump off my bunk and I put my hands behind my back and, try, and I land on my, my brother's bed. I wasn't silly. I wasn't straight to the floor. Never, never just levitated there. Now I think about it, how weird would it have been if my parents walked in and I was levitating. Anyway, I also did this. Who, who's tried to, honestly, who's tried to walk on water? Any of you? I have. I thought one time, faith that works is dead, because I tried this and it hadn't happened. So I walked on water with my shoes on. Because say, faith did not rescue me from my mother, who was very annoyed that now my shoes were wet because I didn't walk on the water. But as you get older, the needs get more real. And the miracles you believe in for more significant. But what happens when we're in a similar spot and we're asking the question, where is my miracle? So today, let me just give some foundation so we can ask this question, which is a question we're allowed to ask, and to stir faith and belief and perspective so that we can position ourselves to receive what God has for us and others. So the first question I've got to answer is, do miracles still happen? 
Do they still happen today? Was it just for Jesus or are they available for us right now? And I don't wanna answer just from my perspective. Let's go to Scripture and I'm just gonna read you a block of Scripture today, but lean in and repeat where you see words highlighted because they're significant for us. Romans, Paul's talking after Jesus has gone to be on the right-hand side of the Father and Paul says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. He's talking about his witness. How does he do it? By the power of signs and wonders, which is of course miracles through the power of the Spirit of God. He saw miracles so others could know Jesus. He also writes in Ephesians 3 verse 20, because is miracles available through us? Well, it says in Ephesians 3 verse 20, now to him who is able, come on, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. He's talking about miracles beyond what you can do, beyond what you can have, beyond what you can know. He can do according to His power that is at work amongst us. His miraculous power by the power of the Spirit is available to us. Then what does Jesus say in Mark 16? And these signs, what signs? They're gonna be miracles. Will accompany those who believe, really important, believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. It's called almond milk and it will not hurt them. And they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. What is he talking about? Miracles. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, this is his last instruction to us. He's now leaving to go to heaven. He's instructing us. He was taken up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed His Word by the signs or miracles that accompanied it. Then John 14, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever, come on, whoever believes in me, will also do the works or the miracles that I do and greater works or miracles than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. It's undeniable God's plan is that miracles would be available and would be the partner of every Christian as we witness to the goodness and saving grace of Jesus Christ wherever we go. Miracles were a part of Jesus' life. And as a Christian, if if Jesus lived a life that he was modeling that we could also live, then miracles should be a part of our life too. I mean, Jesus' life was filled with miracles. His birth was a miracle. His resurrection was a miracle. His entry into public ministry was a miracle at Cana. Jesus has 38 recorded miracles in the Gospels and the Bible tells us that there wouldn't be enough books on earth to contain the number of works that He did. And His last instruction to us was to go and do miracles. But you need to know this, is that Jesus' sole mission was not miracles. Because once we find salvation, so often we judge the goodness of Jesus by the miracles He's doing for us. So miracles for sure were a part of His mission and they pointed to His mission. But can I say, our miracles we often pray for were not His mission. You see, 
He was not just doing miracles because people had a need. It's important because if we just say, well, I've got a need, so Jesus should do the miracle, we miss the purpose of the miracles. It's a part of it. And he didn't just do miracles because he loved us. He does, and that's a part of it. But that was not the purpose of his mission. The purpose of the miracles that Jesus did was a sign that salvation was here. The purpose of Jesus' miracles was to point ultimately to salvation. Let me show you just a few examples. Blind eyes open speaks to light coming into darkness. The dead being raised to life speaks into salvation that we go from death to life. Deaf ears being opened speaks to the truth that sets us free being heard. The sick being healed speaks to the curse of sin and death being removed from us. Uh, Water to storms being calmed speaks to peace that comes in our chaos through Jesus. I mean, water turning to wine speaks to grace flowing, speaks to the blood that sets us free, speaks to the joy that's unspeakable that comes from salvation. A demoniac being set free speaks to the power of the enemy being removed from our life. You, if you want miracles, you have to start here. The greatest miracle is salvation. But we so often forget that we are living as a miracle each and every day. Every Christian you meet, including yourself, is a product of God's interrupting, unusual, unrequired, amazing grace. On a daily basis, in you and I, the blind see, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. Amen? Come on, if we we don't realise that salvation is a miracle, we will miss the purpose of the miracles, that our miracles are actually there to point people to salvation and actually I think becomes a limitation in seeing more miracles because we think the miracles are all about me. See, heaven doesn't celebrate a new job. Heaven, the Bible scripturally doesn't tell me that heaven celebrates a healed body. It doesn't say it celebrates a special opportunity or maybe like me, you've prayed that your sport team will win the grand final. Heaven doesn't celebrate that miracle. There is only one thing it tells me scripturally that all of heaven celebrates over and that is someone having their soul saved. That is someone experiencing salvation and giving their life to their saviour, Jesus Christ. You see, you and I are walking transformed lives. I hope you're catching this online and in every campus. You and I are a walking miracle each and every day once we've found Jesus. The fact that I am not the person that I once was means that I should daily live grateful that I am a living, breathing miracle every day on this earth. And what that causes me to do is to live grateful. You see, when I forget that my salvation is a miracle, yet I'm looking for other miracles, I often begin to wonder, is God good? But when I remember that every miracle I have is, um, every, my salvation is a miracle, it gets me to the doorway of the supernatural. The Bible tells me, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. I believe you can enter the room of the supernatural when you are grateful and 
thankful and praiseworthy of what God has already done in your life. You are saved. You are raised to life. Deafness is gone. Light has come. You are set free in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it and you're thankful for it. In every campus, why don't we give Jesus some praise? Miracles have to start there. So then why does God do miracles? Well, not just because I'm loved, but you are, it's a part of it. Or just because I have a need, it's a part of it. It firstly shows me that He is God and I am not. And so often I'm wanting God to submit to my will, not recognising that He is God and He is sovereign and that comes first. He does miracles for me because He does love you. But this is really important He loves you is the greater revelation than even receiving the miracle. You see, He does a miracle in your life for kingdom purposes. But so often we're asking for the miracle for my purposes. Now, that's a part of it, but it has to be aligned to His kingdom purposes. He allows for miracles, so there is a dependence on Him, not a dependence on me. And in our Western culture, I wonder if we so often don't notice all of the miracles that God is doing, and we don't receive all the miracles we're believing for because we're not actually dependent on God. He's just another option. See, miracles that God gives to me are this primary purpose. And we're gonna deep dive into different parts of this in the next week. So today is okay. Today is set up, right? Know that today was just the beginning. It's the entry so that we can go deeper in the weeks to come. The miracles he does in my life is so I can be a witness for others. I'll say this carefully. If I don't then use those miracles that he's doing to be a witness, am I fully walking in the purpose of the miracles that God gave to me? Can we discuss another day? See, miracles are the compass of my faith. Miracles are the opportunity for my faith and miracles are the catalyst for more faith. So So many people I then talk to as we set a foundation, we'll say, well, how come I don't see miracles in my life then? If Jesus does miracles, promises miracles, and he has all these purposes for miracles, well, how come I don't often see a miracle? And I wanna challenge that. Maybe you do. You see, my boys, I've got two boys. One is 11 and one is seven. So they're at the age where now they ask me specifically for what they want for Christmas or a birthday. So two times a year, I don't have to guess anymore. It's really nice. They tell me, Dad, I want an NBA singlet. I want tickets to this sporting game. I want a PlayStation game. They tell me what they want. Now, two times a year, they get to come and get specific. And they will get what they ask for. But don't be mistaken, they specifically ask me all year long. Every time we go out, can I go to EV Games and buy a new PlayStation game? Can we go into Rebel Sport and buy some new shoes? And they would be mistaken to think that only two times a year is dad kind. They would be mistaken to think that only two times a year did dad give them a gift. However, they only think dad is kind and gives them a gift when they get specifically what they ask for. However, as a father, I wanna tell you, as you would know as a parent if you're here today, 
Dad is kind and generous to them every day as he works on their behalf for them. As I make a way an opportunity for their dreams to come true. As I provide for them. As I protect them. As I help them heal. As I give them a future and a hope. But they only often recognize the gift that they specifically ask for and therefore miss what God is con. Dad, sorry, not God, uh, is constantly doing. Can I say, we do the exact same thing with God. Miracles are happening daily, but we so often don't notice them because we only see what we ask for specifically. There are miracles of salvation that are happening daily. There are miracles of protection that are happening daily. There are miracles of provision. There are miracles of transformation. There are miracles of healing. There are miracles of circumstantial favor in your life every day. There are miracles of opportunity that He is doing for you daily, but do we notice them? Job says it this way. Even when things were taken from him, he says, but if I were you, I would appeal to God and I would lay my cause or my request before Him because He performs wonders or miracles that can't be fathomed and miracles that can't be counted. He's saying God is constantly giving you more and doing more for you than you could even fathom or count. So be bold enough to bring what you have for Him, but first you should notice that He is doing things you don't even see. Come on, miracles happen all the time. Are you okay today? This is foundational. Because if my kids probably noticed more of what they did, maybe they would get more of what they want. (laughs) Miracles happen all the time, but sometimes we're so fixed on the ones that we haven't seen yet, we don't notice the ones that he chose. Setting you up for the rest of what we're gonna talk about in time. So I don't have time to go into this deeply, but I have to, to be right, I have to talk about two things we need in order to see miracles. So what do I need for a miracle? Well, firstly, you have to have faith and belief according to His will. This is really important. Romans says this in Romans 8, and we, we often read the first part of this verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Come on, Salisbury and City, there's no doubt you've said this before. Come on, I need a miracle in God. You turn all things for good for those who love him. Hey, I know you're gonna get a miracle. How do you know? Because God turns all things for good for you. Except we often don't read the second part, who have been called according to whose purpose? His purpose. But I'm often wanting God to do a miracle according to My purpose, and therefore, wouldn't that be good? But who's good? It's not about my good, it's about what's his good. But inevitably, if I trust him as a good father, his good is actually good for me. But so often I want God to do what I think is good. So we pray prayers that don't ask for God's will or seek the Holy Spirit's leading. We just go off our feelings or our media. Now, we are, I'll show you later, you actually have to ask. You have to earnestly seek Him. But what the tension of Scripture shows us is while as a child I have to ask for what I need, I have to also trust as a father His will is best. So it's not that I give God permission to what I will, but I can give permission for His will to outwork in my life. Let me say it again. It's not that I give God permission to what I will. 
I can give permission for His will to outwork in my life and I have to be at peace with that. Is that okay? Will I go further? Another week. Secondly, if I want a miracle, I'll tell you, if you read through the Bible, there's no recipe for a miracle. So how do I get my recipe? There's no recipe for it, but there are ingredients. Is that, is, that, is that okay? And these ingredients that need to be a part of every miracle. And there's other things too, but I'll show you this here. There's two, but really in the Scripture, three ingredients that I noticed in the last service. It says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, and without faith, say it with me, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Ingredient one. Because anyone who comes to Him must Believe, ingredient two, that he exists and he rewards those who, this is the third, third one, earnestly seek him. The three ingredients that need to be part of every miracle. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. My faith, and again, another week we'll talk about this. Sometimes people are like, well, I need to get more faith. No, you need to be faithful with the measure of faith that God's given you. And then if you're faithful with the measure of faith God's given you, He will reward you with more faith. Sometimes like, to get a miracle, I just gotta lift my faith. No, just earnestly seek and believe with the faith that He's given you. The second part is we have to believe. The only time we see in Scripture that Jesus didn't perform miracles was when He went to His hometown and they got familiar and they no longer believed. They didn't believe. These signs will accompany those who believe. We have to have faith and we have to believe and that postures us in the right place once we seek His will to earnestly seek Him. Is that okay? But we're gonna leave that there for today. To now go to, where's my miracle? Why do I sometimes not see my miracle? Why does my miracle not happen in my time? See, God's promises are a bit like this balloon. That so often what I'm facing seems lifeless and ordinary. But then I, I get, a, if I can, a, a rhema word. I get a prophetic word. I get a, 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 a belief in my spirit. My faith is stirred that I can have a miracle, a gift, a promise outworked in my life. And it's like the Holy Spirit comes and... <sighs> breathes life into what was once ordinary and lifeless. You see, a child who we are in Scripture will get hold of a miracle, a promise from God, and they'll hold it in their hands. And you look at a kid who sees a balloon. They don't totally understand it, but they can't take their eyes off it. God wants you to fix your eyes on Him and to keep your eyes on the miracle and promise that you're believing for. So a kid doesn't really know how it's floating. They know maybe there's breath in it. And you gotta know that a miracle needs the Holy Spirit's breath in it. But I don't totally understand it, but I'm in wonder. You look at a kid, they laugh when they've got a balloon, a promise in their hand. It's not quite in their hands, but it's within their reach. And it's not like the promise follows them. They follow the promise wherever it goes. But over time, we have promises from God and miracles we're believing for. But if we're honest, God doesn't move in my time. We read in Hebrews, those that had faith, half of them got their miracles here and half of their miracles got, half of them got their miracles in eternity. Yet they were all recognized for their faith. But as they are waiting, too many as they're waiting for the miracle or God's plan to be outworked according to His will, time happens and time sucks the air out of our miracle. 
And now I'm holding again something that's lifeless and empty. Time happens and we hold something in our hands that we're believing for. And in our Western culture, while we need the supernatural, the truth is we've got a lot of natural options. We've got a lot of people we can go to, a lot of websites we can search, a lot of solutions we can grab a hold of. And, and while I'm holding on to God and I'm holding on to my promise, eventually I get distracted and I let go of my promise to grab a hold of something else. Yeah. And so often as people do this, they not only let go of their promise, over time as they search for other things, they let go of God too. Yeah. And they end up in a place where they feel isolated and alone, neither with His presence or with His promise. The other thing that happens is so often life happens. Disappointments happen. I haven't sought God's will. It didn't go how I thought. I forget that he says amongst all the promises I'll have trouble and my balloon gets popped. And I'm left wondering where is my miracle? And as I finish, I just wanna talk to you for a moment about one lady in the Bible. That's a good lady, we don't know a lot about her. And she never got a miracle in her way in her time. In fact, even when she did, she seemingly lost it. Yet her posture is so encouraging when you're in the place of the in-between, when you're in the waiting room of the miraculous and you're asking God to do something. I wanna to talk to you today about the Shunammite woman that's found in 2 Kings 4 and just the keys can come. You see, this woman we see, she wanted a child. We'll show you in a moment how we know she wanted that child, but what we do know about her is that her husband is old. And over time, this means that they've been journeying and believing for a miracle for a long time. What I love about this lady, and we don't know a lot about her, except this lady, she wanted the presence of God in her room. What's incredible about her is even though she didn't get her miracle, she still wanted the miracle giver. Too often people, when they don't have the miracle in their hand, they let go of the one that is the promise giver. But not her. She hasn't seen a miracle, yet she decides because the presence of God found in the man of God, Elisha, occasionally came through town. So she says, I want the presence of God in my home. There's something about someone that doesn't just want the presence of God in church, they want the presence of God in their home. Next month, we're gonna talk about revival. Can I tell you, I don't just want revival meetings. I want a personal revival. The way we see revival and change and an awakening happening is not just found here in the church, it's found in the temple and in the homes. How God planned it in Acts is still relevant for right here in South Australia in 2022. This lady who hadn't allowed disappointment or bitterness to seep in, she didn't disappear into a tent like Sarah. She actually, when we read about this and you read commentary, she actually probably built an extra level on her home. She at a great cost made room so that whenever the presence of God came to town, it would reside in her home. Because hey, when we pray for miracles, it shouldn't just be at the altar here. It needs to be in our rooms of our house each and every single day. The presence of God in church and the presence of God in our homes. Now we know she's waiting for a child, but it's never come. Well, how do we know? Because partway through a story, Elisha, the man representing God, says to her, you've got to have a child. Now watch her response and watch where she's standing. Let's put it on the screen. It says this in verse 30. Now, when the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms. 
I don't know God's timing. I don't understand God's delays. And I don't perfectly know God's will, that's for sure. But let me tell you this. What if this time next year you could be holding your miracle? What if you've maybe given up? Maybe you've stopped praying. Maybe you've stopped earnestly seeking Him. Maybe it's been a while since you've asked His will because you don't wanna know His will. Maybe your belief has gone to other things and your faith has drained. But maybe if we were over time and through prayer and understanding of Scripture, what if we were to posture ourselves again as a church and as individuals to believe that His miraculous power is still available for your life? I, I don't know God's timing, but what I do know is I can believe in His Word. What if this time next year, you could be holding your miracle? That's why today is just a day. And as part of a journey of you maturing and me maturing in faith, believing that there will be a day where we will be holding the promises of God once again. So He says to her, this time next year, you'll be holding a son in your arms. And watch her response. No, Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Don't just read the words, can you read her heart? It's broken. I can't answer where's your miracle. Not in one day, but I can say, God's close to the brokenhearted, not disappointed with them. It's okay to be brokenhearted, frustrated, and in that place of the in-between. I don't know if I can step out in faith again because what if I don't see God move? He understands. He doesn't correct her. He doesn't judge her. What I see in this story is it says she's standing in the doorway. The doorway. She's made room for the presence of God, but she's not bold enough to step in yet. Doorway is a place of safety. What do they say if there's an earthquake? They say, run and stand under a doorway. It's a safe place. Maybe in our faith, because of life, disappointment, a balloon being deflated, a miracle popping, not seeing God move in the way we expected, you're right now in a place of safety. It's okay. There'll be a day very soon where you're about to step into the room of the miraculous. But what I see with her is that although she was cautious, although she was in the doorway, she was still standing. She hadn't gone, she hadn't disappeared, she was still standing. And I just wanna lift your spirit today to say maybe you're still standing. Maybe you don't have the answers and maybe you've lost some belief and I believe God can stir your faith afresh. But Ephesians tells us that when I've done all else, what's left? To stand. All you can do sometimes is stand. What I love about her is she's made room for God in her home. It's up to us to make room for God in our home. She hasn't got the full faith yet to stand next to the miracle giver, to stand in the room of the miraculous, but she's standing in the doorway. Maybe today you're just standing in the doorway of your miracle. It's okay. A moment is coming where soon you'll be standing standing in the room of the miraculous again. So verse 17, she falls pregnant. But by verse 20, the promise is taken from her. She has a son and her son dies. 
She said, don't tease me. She said, don't do this to me again. She said, don't break my heart again. I can't go through it. But God comes through and gives her a promise. So I just wanna finish with this today as we just set up this next season because I want you to see her posture. Is that what she doesn't do is she doesn't laugh about it and say, I knew it would happen. I knew I shouldn't believe. I knew I shouldn't have set myself up for disappointment. No, her experience doesn't shape her faith. Her faith shapes her experience. So she takes the promise of God and she lies it in the room she prepared for the presence of God. That's how you don't just make room for God in your home to get your miracle. You have it so you can have peace in the middle of your storm. She takes her son and she lays it in the room of the miraculous. She enters into the room of the miraculous now and then she doesn't leave it there to die. It says she saddled her donkey and she went out to Elisha. You see, I wanna tell you that when God gives you a promise, it's okay that if it doesn't turn out how you thought, just to go and seek, you have permission to go to the promise giver and remind him of his promises. You may not have got your healing yet. It's okay to go to the promise giver and remind him of your healing. You may not have had restoration yet, but it's okay to saddle your donkey, to find peace in the room of the miraculous and seek out the promise giver. This is the testing of faith that develops perseverance. Elisha notices her. He cares. It says, sends a servant and says, are you okay? Is your child okay? And I love her spirit. She doesn't laugh like Sarah did. She doesn't have cynicism in her. She says, it is well with my soul. There's something about someone that's still in the waiting room of the miraculous, but still has a soft heart. While you're waiting, don't allow your heart to get hard, but allow it to be well while you seek His face earnestly. But I love, as I finish, she isn't dealing with the servant. Can I tell you, I am not the promise giver. The preacher is not the miracle worker. I am just a servant of God that says, is it okay? Is it well with you? But let me tell you, there is one that she goes to. She bypasses the servant and she goes to the promise giver. And she goes to Elisha in verse 28, who represents God and says, I didn't ask for this. You gave it to me. You just, I said, don't get my hopes up just to deflate me. So Elisha says, take my staff and lay it on the, on the boy's face. But she isn't just believing for a piece of wood. She wants the promise giver. I love this woman. She is a mama that's not settling. She's bold, she's tenacious, she's encouraging, and she's not leaving here without her miracle. She's got a soft heart, but she's got a strong spirit. And it says in verse 30, I'm not leaving here without you. In fact, she says, as long as you live, I'm not leaving here without you. What is she saying? If you you don't come with me, I'll kill you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he got up and followed her. This mum is not settling. As we finish, what does Elisha do? Like a lifesaver rescuing someone who's drowning. He lays on the child and breathes life. And that same breath that breathed life into us 
He's the same breath that breathed life into Christ. He's the same breath of the Holy Spirit that can breathe life into your promise that has deflated and died. And that boy rose again. Auntie, I don't understand the timing of God. And I have to, my responsibility is to seek the will of God. But what I do know is that if I can stir the faith I have and believe that He will work things for His good, I can earnestly seek Him, chase Him and go to the promise giver and say, God, would you do it afresh in me? Come on, stand to your feet. Maybe it's for your healing. Maybe it's for your child. Maybe it's for your marriage. Maybe it's for your kids. Maybe it's for your job. I don't know what it is. And maybe you've asked before, but all I ask you right now is to believe that miracles still happen. He'll do what He says. He outworked them through Christ and He promises to outwork them through you. But I have to recognise that I am a walking, breathing miracle because I know Jesus. That leads me to the doorway, the gates of thanksgiving that allows me to step into the room of the miraculous that is already happening. And it's there I can earnestly ask, seek, imagine and believe that He will do what only He can do. Habakkuk tells me, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, fruit, fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will stand in the doorway, the gates of the room of the miraculous and rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Saviour. There's something about someone that finds strength in God. And even though I haven't seen my miracle yet, yet I will praise Him. I will trust Him because He is good and His perfect will has good for me. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that his death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and his life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, 
your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.